Well, good day, everybody. We used to sing that song when I was growing up. Um, but it was, uh, well, I would walk 813 kilometers and I would... It was a little bit different, but it was real similar. Grew up in Canada. Uh, welcome. Um, my name is Alan, and uh, good to see you all uh, here today. I do want to let you know that uh, there's much for you to be proud of with regard to your church from this past week, as Jan was talking about the, uh, the walkout camp. And so our, the staff here in Family Ministries just did a terrific job. And then the volunteers who showed up were, were amazing. People like Caroline Clock, who, who uh, is a teacher and uh, used her day off to come and love on these kids and take care of them, in addition to other teachers who did that. It was just tremendous. And so we're excited about continuing to be able to do that this week. You're, just, you're, you're part of a great church right here, let me just tell you. So uh, it was good. It was good. It's well done. I also want to say before I jump into the uh, message that if you missed last Sunday, then you picked the wrong Sunday to skip church. Let me just tell you, we had a guest speaker named Diana Swoops. She's a longtime friend of mine, and it was hot stuff. It was awesome last week. If you get a chance to see it uh, online or whatever, I highly encourage you to listen to the message from last week. It was terrific. Um, uh, in fact, I feel a little bit weird uh, coming up here today. It's like, it's like watching Wayne Gretzky play hockey and then getting up on the same sheet of ice that, that he was on and just kind of going, oh, oh, not worthy. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so that's why today, in order to keep your attention, um, I'm talking about sex. So that's, that's kind of my way of trying to, to keep you all awake and uh, move forward with that. So if you are watching this message on Facebook or from our website, we are talking about adult content in here, and hopefully we've been clear to all of you here in this room with, uh, with children who are younger that we would love to take care of them in children's ministry for middle school and high school. Uh, it's up to you. Kind of go for, go for it, uh, whatever you think is uh, the best thing for you and your family. So let's talk about masturbation. I just wanted to break the ice right off the bat. I just, wanna, I just wanna jump right in and just kinda say, hey, we're going for this here. We're not kinda dancing around the topic, we're shooting straight out. It's okay to talk about sex in church. Maybe you never have heard this before. Maybe this is, has some level of discomfort. Imagine being me, okay? So, so, so it's okay to talk about sex in church. In fact, we talk about sex in student ministry and if you have uh, teenagers, if you have students, you're thankful that we're talking about sex over there. Yeah, go, go over there, hear about it, let them fix you over there in the student ministry thing. You want us to talk about sex over there. We do it on an annual basis. Just this, uh, uh, about a month ago, the high schoolers did an entire a month on uh, dating and sexuality. And so it very much is a part of that conversation. And so what happens oftentimes, though, when people graduate from high school is in the church, then it's shh on this topic. We talk about it with the teenagers because that's really important. And then with adults, we don't talk about it anymore. So the overall message almost becomes don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's going to be great. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then silence. But what if... This remains a relevant topic for the rest of us. What if this continues to be a very important topic for us to talk about? I know that for some of you, this is the topic 
This is the topic that has separated you from God that has been the most difficult uh, topic for you in your life right now. And so we need to talk about it. It's okay for us to talk about it. It is, we're supposed to talk about it here because if we don't look at what the Bible has to say about this area of our lives, all we're going to get is what the world has to say. All we're gonna be influenced by, all we're gonna hear, and we are inundated by messages from the world about our sexuality. All we're gonna hear is what the world has to say and how this person feels and how this uh, policy is going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what does our creator have to say about this topic that we're going after today? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the safety of being here in this room. You are here, so I, I pray that you protect me from saying anything that is that is that misrepresents you. God, I pray that we would uh, hear from you here in this space. You, you were unashamed to create sex, so we should certainly be unashamed to talk about it. And so we want to honor you here in our time, and we want to hear from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you, on this topic, as you, you may be uncomfortable or or where are we going to go with this? Let me just tell you, my intention is not to spend an hour, a half an hour. It's not going to be an hour. Just relax. It's not to spend a half, a half an hour saying, don't, don't stop that. Shame on you. Stop that. Why did you do that? Okay? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to push the guilt buttons on this topic on issues that you already know are harmful that you're coming in and you already know you have some sense of shame or guilt about some area in your life. I'm not going to push those buttons. In fact, I'm hoping to flip it around and talk about the benefit of thinking biblically about sex. That I want to elevate the beauty of sex rather than do the don't, don't, don't uh, journey with regard to our sexuality. That's, that's why the, the title of this message is Reclaiming Sex reclaiming, taking back what hell has stolen. God has created this beautiful gift. And so we want to say, in what way has the enemy perverted this gift and how can we reclaim it for what it was supposed to be? Now, in this whole series called Reclaim, we are talking about the, the efforts of, of the enemy of hell to pervert uh, things that are beautiful. And so the, one of the ways that we're doing this is, uh, is looking at this book by C.S. Lewis. It was written during the Second World War. And of course, the genius C.S. Lewis, um, he uh, understood the value of, of uh, in, this, in this book called The Screwtape Letters, of really mocking the efforts of the enemy. There's a quote at the beginning of the book from Martin Luther, centuries before this, who said, the best way to drive back the devil is to mock him. <laughs> so not to ignore him, not to pretend that the enemy doesn't exist, but to say, I acknowledge your tactics and I am pushing back on him. I serve a God who is way more powerful than you. We just sang that song. I love that line in the song. You have no rival. <laughs> it's not God versus Satan and then they're kind of juggling, you know, duking it out. You have no rival. And so the idea is, is screw tape, is a senior demon, uh, a fictional character that C.S. Lewis created, who's writing letters to Wormwood, his protege, his nephew, to teach him how to harm people's relationship with God. And so this whole book is a mockery 
of the tactics of the enemy. And that's the approach on it. It's very creative. C.S. Lewis hated writing the book. He did not enjoy kind of this journey, uh, but it was so popular and it continues to be uh, popular uh, today, this book called The Screwtape Letters. So on your way in, you received a card. And uh, what we've been doing in this series is I'm giving you a quote that I'm crediting Screwtape. Now, this is not actually something that Screwtape said, but I wrote it on there as this is the kind of thing that Screwtape would say. So on your way in, you got these cards that say, do you not know that your bodies are built for pleasure? You have natural desires that must be fulfilled. You can do whatever you want. No one has the right to tell you otherwise. Therefore, enjoy the desires of your bodies. In other words, this is my body. This is my time. This is my money. And so I can do with it whatever I want. Uh, who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to do? Who are you, Alan, to tell me what I can or can't do with my body? Who are you, church, to tell me what I can or can't do with my body? Who are you, God, to tell me what I can or can't do with my body? It's my body. Now, this message from Screwtape is not a message from the one who loves you, from the one who made you. The one who loves you instead says this, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And this is Jesus' payment on the cross. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So in other words, it's not your body to do whatever you want with it. It is our body to honor God with it. Now, this, these verses were part of a letter we find in our New Testament, a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a city called Corinth. That's why it's called 1 Corinthians. And this city struggled with sexual immorality. Let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. Um, uh, up uh, on a mountain, up uh, overlooking the city, there was a mountain that overlooked the, the ancient city of Corinth. And up on that mountain, there was a temple built uh, uh, to worship the Greek god of love, Aphrodite. And uh, so Corinth was a Greek city that was at this point occupied by Rome, but it was deeply entrenched into Greek mythology. And so it was the worship of Aphrodite. If you remember your Greek mythology, Aphrodite's son was Eros, from which we get the English word erotic. And so it kind of, it's a whole family thing with, the, with, the, with that group of Greeks. And so Aphrodite is the goddess of love. And up in the temple, overlooking the city of Corinth, they practiced temple prostitution. Now let me just make sure we have a picture or a glimpse of what temple prostitution was. I just want you to understand what Paul was writing to this city, what they were experiencing, and so what Paul was trying to address here with, with this letter. Temple prostitution meant that on any given evening and multiple times a week, men from the city would climb up the mountain up to the temple and they would choose from up to 1,000 male and female prostitutes. They would choose one or choose multiple prostitutes, go into a side room, a secluded area, and, 
and as a spiritual act of confession, they would, they would uh, through intercourse, pass their sins spiritually into the priest or into the priestess. That that was the function. It wasn't just prostitution. It wasn't just practicing sex. It was a spiritual act for them of prostitution. This is Corinth. This is Corinth. This was the city to whom Paul's writing these words to say, we have to address this issue of sexuality. We have to reclaim sexuality. So what I want to do with the rest of our time is look at some verses around this 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 where Paul talks about the issue of sexuality. And I'm going to do it using three points. And the reason I'm doing that is that I listened to Diana's message last week. And she, she modeled that a real Church of God sermon has three points. And so I'm a quick study. And so here we go this week already. I'm jumping in. Three points, okay? Point number one is this, things that we need to reclaim. Three things we need to reclaim. The first one is this, reclaim boundaries. Now, most of us don't like boundaries. You may even hear the word and just kind of go, oh no, that's not what I wanted to hear on a topic of sexuality. We don't like boundaries. We don't like limitations. Again, who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? But let's just realize the fact that we all have boundaries in terms of sexuality. It's not an issue of some people do boundaries and others don't do boundaries. Some people are limited and have boundaries. Others are free and get to experience the freedom of not having any boundaries. No, we all have boundaries. It's just where you choose to set your boundaries. We all have boundaries. At the very least, we have physical boundaries of sexuality. There are some things we physically cannot do sexually, and I won't go into any more details than that. They're just saying things that we physically can't do. They're boundaries physically. Then secondly, there are legal boundaries. There are things that we can physically do, but we are forbidden to do based on the law. That there are legal boundaries protecting children and protecting animals and protecting non-consenting adults. And so there are things that we can physically participate in sexually, but the law says that is not permissible. So we have physical boundaries, we have legal boundaries, and then thirdly, we have moral boundaries. There are things that we can physically do that are not illegal, but that are morally questionable. For example, you can have an affair with somebody who's married to somebody else and, and it's not illegal to do that, but in most circles, and hopefully for everyone here in this room, that is a morally questionable pathway sexually. And so uh, we, have a, we have lots of room within the moral boundaries to say, where do we land? And we can have lots of conversations and discussions of what is morally acceptable or right, etc. But then there's this fourth category, and those are biblical boundaries, that it's possible for something to be, to be morally acceptable in the culture, and yet Scripture has a boundary on that that says that is not what God intended for that. And my understanding of Scripture and the overall message of sexuality is that the only time that sex is set up as uh, in a positive light, the only time that sex is elevated to say, this is what it is supposed to be, the biblical boundary for sexuality is one man and one woman in the context, in the covenant of marriage. So again, 
The issue is not do we have boundaries or do we not have boundaries. The issue is where do you set your boundaries? Where do you set your own boundaries? Most of us here in this room, it's going to be somewhere in the moral or biblical section of boundaries. And we may have a set of boundaries is what we believe and a different set of boundaries on how we live and how we act. That's, that happens so often. But again, what are your boundaries? What boundaries are, are, you, are you setting? What are you um, uh, hoping for with this? Paul, I, I think, uh, talks about boundaries as he, as he begins this, this, uh, this journey, this section, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, backing up to verse 12. He says, I have the right to do anything. This is a quote saying, saying, you people are saying, you people in Corinth are saying, I have the right to do anything. In other words, I can experience my sexuality with no boundaries. Well, not really, but okay, you might think that way. You might think you can even break some physical boundaries of sexuality if you want. You can try to go after that stuff. But he says, but not everything is beneficial. That maybe there are some, some things that you can do or you can try, but not everything is the very best for you. And so uh, what Paul is saying here is that the biblical boundaries, they help us understand what is the most beneficial for us. What is the best thing for us going forward? That we, we may not agree with it, we may not like it, but do you believe that there is a creator that made you, that understands sex better than you do, who understands that, that, this, that we need to reclaim boundaries if we want to reclaim sex in our, in our lives? And so then you, you decide, where are your boundaries? And the biblical boundary is one man, one woman, in the context of marriage, in the covenant of marriage. Okay, point number two. You getting warm in here or are we good? Point number two here is to reclaim that we have to reclaim. In fact, we get to reclaim purity. This is something that hell has stolen from our culture. We have 10-year-olds who are walking around with portable devices that can access an infinite amount of perversions of sexuality. And so there is, there is so much purity that has been stolen by the enemy at such young ages here in our culture. We have purity that is stolen from adult believers who think that they are damaged goods because of something that they've done in the past, something that was, was a part of their story, and they think, okay, I'm wiped off of this purity journey. I can't experience this uh, anymore. And so then, then hell has said, yeah, you're, you're wiped out of this. And God has a better message, has a different message for this, and Paul passionately wants to address this message. He, he, uh, before I get to what Paul says about this, imagine you are crossing a street with a friend, and, and the, your friend is telling you a story, and it's a good story, and you're listening to the story as you're walking across the street, and you see that there's a car coming that your friend can't see because your friend is looking at you. I saw a car accident yesterday. It happened right in front of us. There was a car that hit another car, flipped upside down, and then slid 100 feet 
upside down, uh, uh, down the road with wheels spinning. And uh, I was the first one to get there and other people. I mean, it was, it was just amazing to be reminded how quickly stuff like that can happen. So imagine you're, you're walking with your friend and you see the car coming down. And, 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 uh, and how would you handle that situation? Because you know, it's, he, your friend can't see the car coming. Would you say, excuse me, I'm Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I mean no offense to you or your family. Um, I appreciate the story you're telling. It is a great story, and I do want to hear the rest of it. But right now, based on my understanding of the trajectory of that car and the timing of our traversing the street, I'm not sure. You know, would you say that? What would you say? Run! You'd say you'd grab them. You'd say move, get out of the way. There wouldn't be a conversation. There wouldn't be kind of this floofy, maybe a little bit passivity. It would be run. Paul says in verse 18 with regard to sexual immorality, flee sexual immorality. And what that means, uh, I've, I've studied the Greek on this, and what this means is flee from sexual immorality. That's what it means, exactly. Run. It just in on this topic, don't say, you know, excuse me, I, I don't want to offend you or your family, and um, but I do want to uh, talk lovingly and graciously about this uh, temple prostitution that you're participating in, and, and I just want to talk with you about how that might da 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 da. No, run, run, flee from this. Because then he says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Sex connects us with other people in ways that nothing else can. That is, that is a connection that is unique. Uh, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of uh, when Tammy and I first got married. And the morning after our wedding day, we went to Cracker Barrel. We stayed in the hotel, and then we walked across the street, went to a Cracker Barrel before uh, prep for flying for a honeymoon. And we, we went to the Cracker Barrel together the morning after our wedding night. And when we went and sat down in Cracker Barrel that day, both of us will never forget this. We felt like everyone in the restaurant knew. <laughs> we were sitting there kind of looking at each other, and it felt like everyone in the restaurant was whispering and saying, I think those two lost their virginity last night. Look at them, look at them. They look like they're recent virginity losers. I mean, I mean, it was just, we just felt like every, it was so different. The world was different. It was spinning differently. The colors were different. Everything is different when you connect sexually with somebody. And so what Paul is saying here is that sexual sins are different as well. They go in a different category. They have an impact on our hearts, on our brains, on our souls. They have an impact that is different than all other sins. It doesn't mean they're unforgivable. It just means it's a very big deal. Let me give you another example. I've been a pastor for a long time and I've had I've had very honoring and deep conversations with many people. And whenever a conversation starts off with a phrase like, Alan, I need to talk to you about something. I need to tell you something that I've never told anybody before. And I've been a part of multiple conversations like that. And let me just tell you, those conversations, they never roll into, Alan, I've had three speeding tickets. I just feel terrible about it. I just want to tell you about it, and it's embarrassing, and I don't, I'm not sure what to do about it. That's not how those conversations roll. The vast majority of the time, what happens if a conversation is set up with, I've never told anything, anybody about this, it is an issue of sexuality. 
It is some issue. I, I had an abortion and I've never told anybody and, and, and it was 20 years ago and I, and I still don't feel like I've experienced uh, purity from that situation. I still don't feel like I've recovered from that with God. Or it is, a, it is a, an affair that happened or is currently happening or it is some kind of sexual addiction. So often that thing that we don't tell anybody that thing that is the deepest hurt is a sexual issue. When we sin sexually, as Paul says, it goes into a different category. And Paul says, flee, run from sexuality, run from, from uh, uh, sexual immorality, flee from sexual immorality. So in essence, what, what I'm saying here is that, that, that if we choose to live life sexually outside of the biblical boundaries outlined in scripture, if we choose to live with our girlfriend and, and sleep with our boyfriend and, um, and flirt with that person who's married to somebody else, if we choose to go those routes, Paul is saying to us for 2,000 years, run, run from that, flee from that, don't dance, don't play with that one. Just, you need to re- claim purity. So let me just say to uh, some of the men here in the room who, who are perhaps currently living a life living, uh, sexually outside of biblical boundaries, if you right now are, maybe you're sitting next to your girlfriend or whatever, and you already know what you're going to say once you get in the car. You know what you're going to say to her once you get in and you close the door. You know you're going to say, yeah. We're not doing that. If that's where you are, let me just tell you, real men talk about this. Real men, men who are after God's own heart, are open to saying, I wanna do this well. I wanna do this in a way that honors you, that sets us up best for our future, that sets you up best for your future. I'm not sure I understand all that scripture has to say or all, I'm not sure I agree with everything, but I love you enough to have this conversation with you. Reclaim purity. And it's about, it's about today and going forward. You might feel like on the issue of purity, well, that's, that's a non-issue for you because you feel like damaged goods, which is a message from the enemy. Because there is a part of purity that says, yes, yes, make good decisions. Yes, it is about your behavior uh, sexually um, uh, as you, in your life and going forward. But as far as your past, what has happened in the past, there is a supernatural purity that we get to experience because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That we get to, to be supernaturally pure. You get to wear a white dress on your wedding day, regardless of what your journey was, if you are making a decision to say, from here forward, I am reclaiming purity. Purity is not about your perfection and your ability to do everything right. Purity is about your redemption. It's about embracing the grace and the forgiveness of God, the one who washes us clean, the one who makes us white as snow and allows us to wear white on our wedding day. We get to reclaim purity. So now the third point, because I'm trying to do a Church of God sermon. The third point is reclaiming intimacy. 
Now, for this last one, I'm talking to those of you who are married. And Paul talks, he continues this conversation into chapter 7 of his letter to, uh, to the Corinthians. He says in the beginning of chapter 7, Now for the matters you wrote about, again, he's quoting them, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And this all is coming out of their experience with the temple prostitution, and they're, they're kind of writing to Paul and saying, maybe we should wipe this whole thing out. I mean, we're so sexually immoral, maybe we should just be eunuchs. Maybe we should just kind of wipe this out from our human experience. And Paul responds, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. That's a novel idea. I mean, duh, you know, he's just saying, how about this? How about this is the way that God has set this up? The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, which is typically why we stop having sex in our marriages, right? Right? I mean, that's typically, okay. Then, then... I just want to make sure you're still with me here. Then come together again so that Satan or screw tape or wormwood or whatever will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is a unique passage of Scripture. Paul shoots real straight with this, just real straight with, uh, uh, he's not kind of bouncing around in the atmosphere. He goes directly with this, with this topic here. And let me be clear with my understanding of what Paul is not saying, because this has been misinterpreted many times. Paul is not saying that you, as a husband or a wife, can claim your spouse's body. To say, you cannot point to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and to say, this is evidence why I, why I get to have your body, why you need to fulfill my fantasies the way I've outlined them to you, because it is outlined in Scripture that that is your job. The, the way this works, which is consistent with other Scripture, it's not about me showing you what you need to read. It's about me reading it for myself. It's not about pointing this out for you. It's about me reading this for myself. Do you understand the difference? There's a huge difference there. This is about us reading 1 Corinthians 7 and saying, okay, I need to understand that even if in marriage I don't feel like I want sex anymore, if I feel like that's, I, I, don't, I don't need that anymore, you need to understand what this means to the person you're married to, the huge effects it has on the other person. This leads her to say, what do I have to do so that he would notice me? What do I have to do so that he would think I'm beautiful? When we withhold from one another in marriage, this leads him to say, what do I have to do for her to want me? What do I have to do for her to think I'm desirable? It creates huge pain and chasm in a marriage relationship. This is why masturbation can be such a huge problem. Because it is all about selfishness in sexuality. It's all about saying, I, I'm just here to satisfy my own desires, and I don't need you. I, I don't need you in order to experience something sexually. 
It's all selfish. And so if you are not married, be careful with masturbation. Be careful with training your mind and your heart and your body to think that, that sex is all about you and your satisfaction of, of your desires and your pleasures. If you are married, then masturbation has no place in there. Because what it does is it says, I don't need you, I'm gonna take care of this on my own. If you are married, it says, if the desire is there, then you say, how can I offer myself to you? That that's the way it's designed to be. That don't settle for a sexless marriage. Please, don't settle for a sexless, I know it's awkward, I know it, it, there's a whole, there's years of story behind there. It is super complicated. It is difficult. I fully understand that. But don't settle for a sexless marriage because you won't have the marriage that you want if you ignore this part of your relationship. If you just shut this down and say, you know what, we'll be great without that piece. You won't have the marriage that you want. Reclaim intimacy. And now this, this leads to one other topic on this, and that is frequency. So what does it mean? What, what, does, what kind of frequency means a sexless marriage versus a marriage that is healthy in terms of sexuality? And, and uh, I know there's lots of conversations and experts or whatever about frequency. Here's something I heard a long time ago, is that for newlyweds, frequency is tri-weekly. In other words, three times a week, it's boom, boom, boom. It's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot going on there. For those who are married with children, it's tri-weekly. And, and for those who are more mature, those who have been around for a long time, it's tri-weekly. W-E-A-K. And so that might be helpful for you. Just kind of bounce that around, see if that's helpful for you in terms of frequency. Okay. In terms of frequency, sorry for the jokes. In terms of frequency, don't get caught up in that. Don't, just, don't get caught up in the comparison game. Don't get caught up in what you've heard or what you've read, and this is supposed to do this, and supposed to do that. Don't get caught up in all that, because from my experience, those who verbalize their frequency usually round up. <laughs> so, just, so just give yourself some grace with this. As long as you are not withholding sexuality from your partner, and you're not selfishly taking care of that on your own, then just relax in terms of the frequency and just kind of lovingly figure it out together. In the animal kingdom, sex is not pleasurable. Did you know this? I'm not aware of any animal for whom, have you ever seen two cats do it? There's screaming in pain going on there. It, it, is, it, is, it is not pleasurable as far as I'm concerned. And you watch planet Earth, you watch those shows, it is not pleasurable, among, reproduction is not pleasurable among uh, the animals, but God gave humans a unique gift. God gave humans, it's, 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 be thankful you're not a praying mantis. It's sex and then death. I mean, it's not a pleasurable experience. God gave humans the ability to procreate looking at one another, and it's very unique in the animal kingdom. And so there's, God gave humans the, this pleasure that's a part of the sexual experience. And, and it is the highest form of pleasure. It is the pleasure that other ple pleasures are compared to. 
you, we sometimes, we, you know, we eat dessert and then we say, at the end of it, we say, oh, that was better than sex. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of dessert you're eating, but, but based on my understanding of how God has created these things, no, it's not better than, than, than sex. God has made sex to be the highest form of pleasure. And since the beginning of time, the enemy of your souls has wanted to pervert this part of your life and does it in any and every way imaginable. And so this is the battle going on. It's the highest form of pleasure. It gets tremendous amount of attention from the enemy. So that's why there is a fight that we have to do. That's why, once again, as we wrap up here today, we are going to... Um, we're going to have an opportunity during this last song. The band's going to come out. And as we've been doing throughout this series is uh, you receive this, this car of lies on the way in. And during this song, I invite you to come up. We have two tables here in the front and four in the back and then one up in the skybox. I invite you to come and make an exchange of the lie for the truth. That you just tear this up and drop it in, tear this up and drop it in the black box and then pick up one of these truth cards that is, is the scripture that we've been looking at here this morning. As a way of just saying, I'm, I'm abandoning this. This is not what God's design is for sexuality. I am, I am embracing the truth. Because this journey, hopefully this morning you're not hearing don't, 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 guilt, shame, don't, don't, don't. But instead, you're being reminded that, that God has given us sexuality as a gift. He's not trying to limit your pleasure. He gave you the pleasure of sexuality. So he's not trying to hold it back on you. He wants you to experience it to the fullness of what it was designed to be. That's what he wants for you. So may you come, make that exchange, and just drop off the guilt, drop off the shame, dump the the, the sexual confusion, just dump off the self-loathing that maybe you're experiencing because of your past sexually and then embrace, take in this, this gift of reclaiming sex, of, of embracing the power of boundaries, the beauty of boundaries, of embracing supernatural purity, of, of reclaiming sensational intimacy in your marriage relationship. During this song, I invite you to come forward. Would you stand? I want to pray with you and then we'll sing this song together. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I, I thank you for uh, the gift of sexuality that you, you understand it more than we do. And you love us so much. You want us to experience the ultimate in pleasure. You want us to experience life to the full. And so God, may we not settle for anything less than what you have for us. May we not settle for these perverted versions that, that are so enticing in the moment, but they miss the mark as far as the big picture. God, may we see your big picture. May we see the plan that you have for our sexuality and our future. May we have the grace, may we experience your grace with regard to our past and what has happened sexually. And may we embrace your truth in terms of what, what is possible for us in our future relationships, what is possible for us in our marriage relationships where sex has, has been set on the shelf for far too long. 
May rich conversations happen this week where, where boldness is happening and people are saying, can we revitalize this part of our lives? God, would you meet us in those conversations and give us the power to experience the pleasure that you have for us? We pray in the name of Jesus.